All right, science fam. Today we're talking about generalized anxiety, and I'll give you a, a hundred, a thousand foot view of what that is. Generalized anxiety disorder, or anxiety, is a neurological condition characterized by persistent, uncontrollable worrying that causes emotional distress. I think it's fair enough. Uh, patients that are diagnosed with anxiety show symptoms on most days. So imagine it could last from like one day up to six months. Yes. Generalized anxiety can be a long-term thing. You can go for up to six months, which is absolutely crazy. In addition to worrying, common symptoms of anxiety include restlessness, irritability, you probably feel that, muscle tension, fatigue, and sleep disturbances. Well, who knew? Sleep disturbances in terms of not being, being able to fall asleep and also <laughs> wanting to, being tired and wanting to go to sleep and not wanting to get up from the bed. How does it show up in the brain? Well, patients with this anxiety disorder uh, often show increased activity in the amygdala, which I've shown in my TikTok video. It's kind of the front part going to the back, kind of going from your forehead and extending backwards. So the increased activity in amygdala and prefrontal cortex, which is the front part. So for example, if somebody has anxiety, we take them and we do uh, a, a PET, PET, or position emission uh, tomography. The, the scan will also show reduced serotonin binding in patients with this anxiety. What is serotonin? It's basically the chemical that allows the nerves in your brain to talk to each other. You don't have one br uh, nerve in your brain, there's a bunch of nerves, there's, there's a lot of connections, and these connections have to be interconnected with each other somehow using chemicals. And people with anxiety, don't, their, their chemicals don't bind too well. And then we're going to talk about the risk factors, and again, a thousand foot view of the risk factors is that um, developing anxiety includes a, gene a genetic predisposition, which means if somebody in the family had generalized anxiety or anxiety, means that you are predisposed to have it as well. Uh, being female, actually yes, being a female does predispose you to be more anxious and or having anxiety down the line. Recent life stressors, if you had an event in your life that caused stress or some kind of an emotional trauma, then you could potentially have anxiety. Chronic physical illness, it's easy to overlook it, but a lot of people don't show this, but if somebody has, for example, diabetes uh, or any other chronic illnesses, then they might be predisposed to have an anxiety as well. And you want to hear the most interesting one? Lack of support during childhood. This is why a lot of responsibility is being put on the shoulders of our parents for correctly raising us and forming us in the correct way, providing us with the emotional and physical support in order to form our little brains into something that's not going to then have any remnants or repercussions from the childhood. There's a couple of criteria by which we diagnose anxiety, and uh, the two main ones are the DSM-5 criteria as well as the ICD-10. The DSM-5 is basically published by the American Psychiatric Association, and it's basically a bunch of questions that are helping the doctor characterize whether or not you have anxiety. The ICD-5 is actually a little different because it provides a different set of diagnostic criteria than the DSM-5, and it's basically got a, lot, a, bunch of, a bunch of other questions. And to quickly illustrate the differences, the DSM-5 can ask something like excessive anxiety or worry, inability to manage worry, or at least three of the following. For example, restlessness, fatigability, problems concentrating. They could ask you those questions and then determine whether or not you have anxiety. But the ICD-10 asks a completely different set of questions, such as a period of last six months with prominent tension, worry, or feelings, apprehension, such, so on and so forth. Then it goes on to talk about the autonomic arousal systems, then symptoms concerning chest and abdomen, then symptoms concerning the brain, 
then general symptoms, then symptoms of tension. As you can see, it's a more of a comprehensive way of diagnosing it. We've talked about the risk factors before, but let's, let's hone in on it a little bit more. The relationship between genetics and anxiety disorders is an ongoing area of research. It's broadly understood that we have a genetic component in having anxiety in our lives. But the exact nature of the hereditary basis is not fully appreciated. So then the scientists went on and got some gene samples to see if they can find the gene that causes the anxiety and they looked for what's called loci and um, they just could not find one single gene that causes it. There's a bunch of genes basically and nevertheless the genetic factors may play a role in determining whether an individual is at a greater risk of developing GAD or not and GAD is the generalized anxiety disorder. Some of the most significant contributing genes are the ones that have to do with your head aka the brain structures. Because the brain is made of nerves, as you can see, the genes that are, that are implicated in this are uh, for neurotransmitters and neurotransmitter receptors. This leads me to another part of pathophysiology. I'm going to read a quote for you. Generalized anxiety disorder has been linked to changes in functional connectivity of amygdala, which is the part of the brain I was talking about, and its processing of fear and anxiety. So basically, your sensory information, such as the feelings, enter the amygdala through the nuclei of what's called the basolateral complex. This basolateral complex processes the sensory-related fear, uh, memories, and communicates information about this to memory and sensory processing in other places of the brain. Then this information gets processed in the medial prefrontal cortex, which is the front part I was telling you about, and sensory cortices. So it's broadly said that the genes controlling these structures are implicated in you having anxiety. So if I were to funnel everything down to one sentence, when we look at the brain, we see that individuals who have a generalized anxiety disorder, it's been suggested that they have greater amygdala and medial prefrontal cortex activation in response to like stimuli compared to individuals who do not have the anxiety. So it looks like something in the brain of people who have GAD, generalized anxiety disorder, activates these, these structures a little more than uh, people who don't have it. And listen, I'm not a specialist and new things get discovered every single time and I'm just giving you a thousand foot view of what could cause GAD. How do we treat anxiety? Well, physiotherapy and pharmacological intervention. And these are what's called the conventional therapeutic approaches. The psychotherapy basically concentrates on working on the conscious and subconscious mind and trying to find a relationship between the cognition and behavior. So helping you identify when you're going to have anxiety and, and helping you to deal with it consciously. In fact, the CBD, which is the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, is widely used as a first-line psychological therapy for treating generalized anxiety disorder. So if you're not taking medicine and if you're using a conventional therapeutic approach, most likely any treatment will be a derivative of this psychotherapy. We have behavioral therapy, we have cognitive therapy, and we also have a psychodynamic therapy as well. These are subsets of whatever I just told you about. Besides CBT, there's a lot of other ones, such as motivational interviewing, intolerance and uncertainty therapy, acceptance, and so on and so forth. Me, having training in pharmacology, I could say that benzodiazepines have been used to treat anxiety starting 1950s, 1960s, actually. The problem with benzodiazepines is dependence and developing tolerance, which means you will need higher and higher doses. And then the scientists have come up with better stuff, such as SSRIs, like paroxetine, SNRIs like valifaxine. Oh, and by the way, the benzodiazepines, uh, an example of that will be alprazolam. And finally, we have azoprions, which is uh, the busprion. These four classes are the ones that are approved by the FDA. But we also have antihistamines, GAB analogs, monoamines, and tricyclic antidepressants. That is a lot of drugs to treat anxiety. 
My understanding is that a lot of research went into this and it's really common. So why not create something against anxiety that could help a lot of people and maybe make some money along the way? So for example, if somebody discovers a, a tricyclic antidepressant, they just keep pumping out more and more drugs in that category, making small, minute little changes and calling it something else. And obviously they all come with their own side effect profiles. And it's kind of cool that we have a lot of different ones because if somebody cannot take a certain drug because it causes them to have a certain side effect, then we can choose another medication within the same category and then just give them that. Options are good, but I just find it fascinating that we have so many drugs like antidepressant drugs in comparison to drugs for certain other diseases. Anyways, I enjoy making these for you guys and I've just enabled voicemails. You guys can actually leave a voicemail with your questions and I'll be more than happy to answer anything about medicine, pharmacology, or maybe molecular biology. And to get future notifications about the new podcast episodes that are coming out, I encourage you to follow me on whatever platform to find podcasts or listen to. Stitcher, Google, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, I'm on it. Thanks so much for listening. I was kind of fast today, kind of felt a little energetic. Let me know if you like this kind of format and I'm going to continue doing this. If you know somebody who might find this information useful, please don't hesitate and share this episode with them. Maybe they'll benefit from it. Thanks a lot for listening, and I'll catch you in the next one.